0: let me first of all say good morning church it is good to see you all in the house of the Lord on this morning and I am grateful to be back in the pulpit after two weeks off but uh, that being said I'm grateful to brother Ananda and pastor Stan who preached in my stead and uh, I was indeed blessed uh, by their messages so thank you brothers And also, thank you to everyone who works behind the scenes to make this service happen. I am super, super grateful for you all, and there are probably too many people to name, but I want to make sure that uh, we, from time to time, if not every Sunday, thank those who put in work as it relates to making the Sunday morning service go. Amen? Amen. Thank you, children. By the way, let's show some more love to our children Thank y'all. Amen. Amen. The Lord is able to use not only the older folk, but also the younger folk. And uh, we are grateful for that. And uh, also, uh, we are grateful for any visitors who are in uh, the Lord's Church on this morning. I hope and I pray that you have felt welcomed I hope and pray that you have felt blessed, and if you do not have a church home, uh, please feel free to consider us. I'm not trying to steal sheep. If you belong somewhere, I understand, but if you are without a place to call home, uh, please, I hope you would indeed consider us. That being said, uh, we have been in 1 John. We are going through a series, and what we are doing in this series is revisiting some of the basics of our faith and we are looking at 1st John he is helping us with this so with that said if you are able to stand I'll invite you to do so this morning's portion of scripture comes from 1st John chapter 2 we'll look at verses 12 through 14 this is sermon number 4 of, I believe, 12 sermons altogether. Uh, don't quote me on that. That's off the top of my head. But nonetheless, I do know this is sermon number four. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. I'll read this, and then I'll say a short prayer, and then you can take your seats after that. The word of the Lord reads as follows. I am writing to you, little children... And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Father, we come now to this portion of the service when we look to hear from your word. And Father, as I prepare to preach this word, uh, we are mindful of uh, the mass shootings that have occurred. And we pray not only for the victims, but we think about those churches Uh, on this morning. Give them words uh, from you as they think about uh, the situations occurring in their areas. That being said, Father, we also again pray that you would be with us as we look to your word. And it's in Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. 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 The title of this morning's message is simply helpful reminders. I don't know about you, but I know for me, oftentimes the Lord, or oftentimes I am in need of simple reminders as it relates to the basics of our faith. What I mean by that is, I'll find myself personally going through something, wrestling with something, and in the back of my mind, I'm trying to figure out what's some new revelation, what's some enlightenment that would help me with whatever it is I'm dealing with. And oftentimes, it's in those moments where it's not new revelation or new enlightenment, but it's Simple reminders that God has to give to me in order to help me through whatever it is I might be going through. And this on some level is what John is doing for the people in his day. You will be reminded that he's counteracting some false teachings that have or that is attempting to creep into the church. And these false teachers were coming around and they were saying, you know what? We have new knowledge. We have new revelations. We have secrets that you all do not know anything about. But guess what? We're here to give you the secret knowledge. And John is counteracting that by giving the people Helpful reminders of things that they have already been taught. And so this morning, I'm not trying to tell us that there's nothing new, perhaps, that we should not be learning about the scriptures or anything of that nature. The Lord will give those things. But I want to challenge you, as I will attempt to challenge myself, that there are helpful reminders that will get the job done. And John will give us a couple of helpful helpful reminders uh, in this portion of Scripture. Now, having said that, uh, there are some interpretive challenges with this text, and I won't spend a lot of time uh, dealing uh, with these particular challenges, but I will make you aware, for example, there are debates and arguments about who it is that John is writing to. At face value, there's little children, there's young men, and there are fathers. And some folks will say, well, these are three different groups of people that he's writing to. Some people, some good people, hold that view. Others and other good people believe that the little children in this passage is actually the whole church. Old, young, men, women. Because throughout the letter, John, who is an elder, who is older by the writing of this uh, letter, he is addressing folks who, on some level, were his spiritual children. So it's not a matter of spiritual immaturity or newness of faith on, on some level. It's more positional. John is an elder. He is older. He has been walking with Christ and he serves as a father figure, and the church are like his spiritual children. So many, and I am also one of them, believe that the little children in this particular passage references the whole church, okay? If you hold otherwise, we can still be friends, and, but that's my position on that, all right? Now, that being said, there are, there's the issue of fathers and young men. Okay? And some uh, will say that, you know, the fathers, uh, that's not just older men, but that could also be a reference to the spiritually mature. In other words, those who have been walking in Christ for some time. And then there's the young men. And again, that could be actual age young men. And at the same time, it also could be a reference to those who are not immature but less mature than the older men. Now the question becomes are there women in this passage? You know we lump the women with the little children but all that to say obviously the culture of that particular day was male oriented and that's another discussion that we can have but nonetheless the truths in this passage which is what I will deal with all interpreters believe that they are applicable to all the believers in other words what's communicated for the fathers can be applied to the young men in some form or fashion and so i will take that approach with this morning's sermon so i'm not going to address this side of the church and then come over to this side of the church and compartmentalize this i'm going to deal with the truths that are communicated and we will apply them to the body as a whole. Amen? Amen? Now, that being said, what is the first reminder that I would like for us to consider on this morning? The first reminder comes in verse number 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. The first reminder has to do with the fact that our sins are forgiven. Now, you will remember that prior to this passage of Scripture, John had just communicated to the people that no one can say that they are without sin. Remember, the false teachers were going around and they were confusing uh, this idea of sin. And they were saying to the people, you know what, Uh, you are really just a spirit. And Jesus was just a spirit. And spirits are good. And your spirit cannot sin. Your flesh, that's the bad thing, but that's not really you. And so there was a great deal of confusion starting to creep into the church. And John says, you know what, no one can say that they are without sin. As a matter of fact, if you stand here today, John would say, if you were to get up and say, you know what, I am without sin, according to John, you would be a liar. You're young, you're older, you're male, you're female, you're a lay member of the church, you're a pastor. John says, I don't care who you are. We all have sinned. And it does us no good. To deny or pretend otherwise. So Jauntless belabored the fact that we all have an issue of sin, regardless of what the false teachers were saying. And it's in light of that that he circles back and says, But, remember this, your sins have been forgiven for his, his being Jesus' sake. Now, I want you to pause for a second. Obviously, John is writing this to counteract some false teaching. But in terms of applying this, this will really hit home to those who struggle, who have struggled with some guilt, perhaps. Maybe you've committed a sin that you can't even forgive yourself Maybe you've done something contrary to God's word. You've offended God. You've offended your neighbor, a spouse, a friend, or whoever. And you have not found forgiveness either from yourself or from that person. And some of us perhaps have struggled with that. And it would be helpful for us to remember that we are forgiven in Jesus' name. Let me say that again. No matter what sin you have committed, if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you look to the Savior of the world and his work upon the cross, regardless of your sin, you have been forgiven in Jesus. And this is meant to be free. This is not to excuse our sin. May we repent. May the Spirit help us to to grieve over our sin. May, May we feel uncomfortable with sin. May we even get to a place where we are hating sin. But never let the issue of sin cause you to despair. May sin never cause you to give up. Why? Because your sins and my sins have been paid for, and they have been dealt with. And as a result, we have been forgiven. John is reminding his audience that their sins are forgiven. The second reminder, he goes on to say in verse number 13, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And that him who is from the beginning uh, contextually is fits more with God the Father, but you can put Christ in that as well because he is obviously from the beginning. But nonetheless, you have to keep in mind John, again, is counteracting some of the false teachings that are going on. As I've already said, you had folks standing up in the pulpits of those days. And mind you, A lot of the audience would have been illiterate in some form or fashion. And so these teachers could get up and say, I have the secret knowledge. And I know God in a way that you don't know. I know the one who is from the beginning. And if you want to know the one who is from the beginning, you must come through me, the teacher. And it's in that context where John is saying, you know the Father. These false teachers who are trying to play the role of mediator, you do not need them because you know the Father. This would not have been John's first interaction with this audience. In other words, he's not writing this letter and he's just now introducing these things to them. More than likely, John would have interacted with these people in person and and interacted with them in a variety of ways and teaching them and living with them and communicating. And now with these false teachings arising in his absence, he writes to remind them of what they would have heard, what they would have been taught. Now, he's not suggesting, John is not suggesting we know everything there is to know about an infinite God. But what God has given to us to know of him is right before us. And why is it that we can know him? It is because we are first known. You know God. I know God. Because God knows you. God knows me. And so... This is, again, not to say that everyone knows him in the same degree or know as much as others. But if you are in Christ, you have been taught. You know him who is from the beginning. And that's good news. Amen? There's a lot of things we don't know. (laughs) If we tell the truth, I mean, we have some very smart people in here, obviously, amen? But I don't think anyone would get up and say, we know everything there is to know about everything. And if you did, oh, uh, maybe you should be up here and I should be. (laughs) There are a number of things that we don't know. But he is saying, irregardless of how illiterate his audience would have been, You may not know science as well as a scientist. You may not know all the medical terms there are. You may not know how to get around town or how to fix a car or how to cook a meal. But as children of God, we can know who God is. And that's good news. So he is telling the people, he is reminding them, he is encouraging them to be careful of getting caught up in the false teaching, the secret so-called knowledge, and rely on the fact that they already know him who is from the beginning. Amen? The next reminder, he says, I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. This really stood out to me this morning, especially in light of the mass shootings that have recently occurred. You see that the evil one is active. The evil one is busy. And even if I'm not paying attention to what the evil one is doing on the outside of the church, the evil one is even very near to the people of God in some form or fashion. Now, I'm not one who quickly runs when someone is uh, dealing with something or sin or struggle. I'm not one who quickly runs to the evil one. Sometimes it's our own flesh. Sometimes we want to blame others or the evil one or this person or that person, and we fail to look inwardly. But regardless of that, there is an evil one that exists. And this evil one is active. And if we tell the truth, there are times where it appears as though the evil one is winning. You look around and you see all of these difficult things affecting uh, communities, cities, even our own selves. And we begin to wonder, are we really winning? Is following Christ actually accomplishing anything. And John's audience would have been living in a difficult period, a difficult time. Many of his folks would have been persecuted for their faith, not just laughed at or made fun of, but actually killed and murdered, and legally so in some cases. You believe in Jesus? Oh, okay, well, that's a problem, and you will meet death as a result. And at face value, it seems as though the evil one is winning. But John reminds them, and specifically in this context, he's saying to the younger folks, you, I'm writing to you because you have overcome the evil one. Now, I'm tempted to run quickly to my conclusion to wrap this up in Christ. But 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 sometimes we need to be reminded when we're at our lowest, when we feel defeated, when things seem like they're not going as if we thought they would go. Sometimes we have to stand by faith and be reminded that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That we have overcome the evil one. And this is not just some mental game to help folks persevere through their trials and tribulations. This is a real truth. This is a real thing. And John is telling his people, despite what they may be facing from false teachings, from persecution, whatever it is that is beating them down, they have actually overcome the evil one. And of course, here in a second, we'll see it's because of Christ. So some of us need to be reminded of the fact that we have overcome the evil one. I know I do. Amen? He goes on to repeat, I write to you children because you know the Father. I won't go back over that. And then he goes on to repeat again, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning I want to focus on the last part of 14. I write to you young men because you are strong. (laughs) I don't feel strong. And he's not talking about physical strength per se. Now, obviously, if you associate this purely from a physical standpoint, young men in their prime, they're strong physically and things of that nature, but John tends to think a little deeper than what we often see at face value. Spiritually speaking, to be in Christ is to be strong. Again, this is not to say we're strong in and of ourselves. for we know who the one is who is truly strong. And in our weakness, if we are in Christ, we find strength and we are strong. This is how some folks are able to navigate life in light of so many difficulties. Some of us know some people like that. They got all kinds of stuff going on, and yet they continue to stand and stand strong. And they would be the first to admit this is not because of them. It's not because of their strength or their doing. It's obviously because of the Lord Jesus. But that being said, and John is not counteracting what we will learn elsewhere. For example, Paul, who encourages us to boast in our weakness. He is saying that in light of John is saying that in light of the trials, the tribulations, the false teachings, the persecutions, the things that come that seem to be way stronger than us. He's reminding his audience that we are also strong. And so, brothers and sisters, again, I don't know how strong the trial is. I don't know how strong the temptation is. I don't know how strong the failure or whatever it may be that we are dealing with. Know that in Christ we find our strength. And in him we are strong. Amen? And then he says, and the word of God abides in you. And he goes on to, and you have overcome the evil one. The word of God. Some interpreters take that to mean Christ himself. Others take that to mean simply the gospel message. I think at face value he's referring to the gospel message, but obviously we can talk about Christ's presence among us as well. But he's going on to communicate to the people that these false teachers who are coming and trying to offer you and me or them something that they don't have, something that is being presented as awesome and wonderful and great, he's saying, look, the stuff they have to offer, uh, instead, you have the word of God in you. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes. Again, I, I, there are moments where I am, I am trying to figure out what's the latest thing being taught in theology. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I was just talking uh, to a brother who's uh, going to seminary or in seminary, but getting ready for his, uh, this upcoming year. And I'm already thinking, well, I wonder what they're teaching now. Not as if I was in seminary some decades ago, but times qu- move quickly. And I'm like, you know, well, what are some of the new books? What are some of the new things they're teaching and all of that kind of stuff? And that's how my mind works from time to time. What's new in, in theology? What's new in the political world? What's new in the community, what's new in the news, what's new, what's new, what's new. I need to fill my mind. I need to fill my brain. And I'm not saying these things are bad in and of themselves. But it's often the reminders. It's often the things that we've already been taught. It's the things that we've already come to believe that we need to lay hold of, revisit, take it in afresh. Now, brothers and sisters, in closing, John is able to say this obviously because of the work of Christ. In other words, the people are forgiven because of Jesus. They know the Father because of Jesus. They have overcome the evil one because of Jesus. They are strong because of Jesus. The word of God resides within us because of Jesus. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the source of all of these reminders, of all of these blessings. And if we are looking For these things outside of Christ, we put ourselves on shaky grounds. Should we seek forgiveness from our neighbor? Yes, absolutely so. But if you are not seeking forgiveness from your heavenly Father, what do you accomplish? They go hand in hand. If you are bragging about all of your other knowledge and all of your other educational uh, attainments, but yet are not taking great joy in the fact that you know him who is from the beginning, your boast and all those other knowledgeable things are worth not, not much if you think that you are overcoming the evil one because you come to church every Sunday or you read your Bible by yourself and none of that is attached to the work of Christ, you're not really accomplishing the things that you hope. If you uh, think that you are strong because you are young or because you're in your prime or because you exercise or whatever, and these things aren't tied to Christ. You put yourself on shaky grounds. These reminders are effective when viewed in light of the work of Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters, there is so much that is out there. There are many things that I am eager to see us as a church engage in and do and do. I'm obviously praying and thinking through a number of things as it relates to uh, the future and the new season and the life of this church. But before all of that, let's be reminded of some of these basic and helpful truths that are ours. And as we lay a hold to these things, may God bless us and lead us and guide us in all truth. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we bless you your most holy name. And Father, we are so thankful for the reminders that you give to us from your word. We are grateful to know and to be reminded that we are forgiven of our sins. We have overcome the evil one. We are strong. We do have the word within us. We know you, and all of this is because of your Son, our Savior. And Father, as we go about the rest of this week or even the rest of our life, whatever may come our way, whether for good or for bad, help us to always be reminded of these many blessings that are ours in Christ. And as we reflect on them, may we find what we need in that moment. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Now